Proverbs, the fourth chapter, we've been talking about this subject called matters of the heart. And, um, you know, there is always a, there's no lack of people talking about the heart. And one famous saying is, you can't judge my heart. Anybody ever heard that? And uh, technically, we should judge our own heart. We should judge our own life. We should look, and it, it is something that is super important to everybody. And so Proverbs, the fourth chapter, I'm actually going to read it from the fourth chapter, 23rd verse. I'm going to read it from the NIV, so I don't know what translation you have. Some of the translations read a little different, but uh, this one says, Above all things, or above all else, it says... Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, that's an interesting statement that God would tell us to guard our hearts. But he didn't just say guard your heart. He said guard your heart above everything else. How many know what everything else is? One person. Awesome. So a couple all all above all else that means everything else there is in this world you guard it well somebody said oh you got to watch out you know because credit card fraud's a big thing nowadays nowadays or identity theft he said more than that guard your heart Somebody said, oh, but I got a lot of gold, and I'm trying to see, should I dig a hole in my backyard and bury it out there? Because I, I just don't know where to put it nowadays. And people want to guard different things. They want to guard their children, and rightfully so. But he said, above. Above all else, guard your heart. Doesn't mean don't guard other things. He just said, make this like the biggest priority of your life. Why would he? Well, one other translations say, out of your heart flow the issues of life. But he said here, for everything, how many are everything? Everything. Nothing. You coming here today is part of this. People not coming here today or going somewhere else is a part of this. Everything. The person you saw when you were coming here this morning was on the side of the road jogging and, you know, or walking their dog or at the coffee shop, you know, whatever it is, it, it, those, everything people do is an issue of the heart. It's an issue that comes or flows from your heart. Now, we read before how that the word issue there means the parameters or your experience, what you do or don't do. It kind of, the heart sets up what you will refuse, what will be a priority, what will not be a priority, what you will believe, what you will not believe, what you will accept, what you will not accept, what you will sacrifice for, or what you won't sacrifice for. And the list goes on and on because everything flows out of your heart. Jesus would talk like this. He said, if you've got a problem with lust, that's a heart issue. If you've got an issue with stealing, that's a heart issue. 
He said, if you esteem God, high heart issue. He said, everything comes out of our heart. Well, now if you see everything comes out of your heart, in other words, how am I as an employee? How am I as a friend? How am I as a spouse? How am I before God? All comes from my heart. So when people say, you can't judge my heart, we should all judge our own actions and know, hey, these things come from the heart. And so Jesus was adamant about the heart, and uh, he told us that life can change if you change your heart and change the way you speak and things like that. He said, because belief comes out of the heart. Unbelief comes out of the heart. Why would we guard it then? What do we want coming out of our life? I knew you guys would be excited about that. So we've been talking about matters of the heart or issues of the heart or how to deal with things at a heart level because if you can do this part of life, and we can, but realize this, when he said above all, he basically said, this has to be a priority. This has to be a priority. And he said it needs to be a priority above all things. And he didn't just say examine your heart. He said guard it. Guard it. Guard your heart. Well, how does the heart function? The heart is kind of like a coffee maker. You know, you get the grounds up there and let the hot water roll, roll through. And, you know, then eventually something drips out the body or the bottom the body out of the bottom, and uh, that anyway, never mind. And drips out of the bottom. Uh, anyway, drip drips out and comes into a cup, and they call that coffee. And it filters through the grains. And uh, your mind is like that. You you've got to guard your mind because it just gets in you. You know, isn't that true? Haven't we all done that? If we're not careful, if somebody comes along, you're like, this isn't words you hear, this is what you're thinking. I can't believe them. What in the world do they think they're doing? Man, oh my, ah, oh, man, ah. Oh, oh. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, that doesn't jive with my Christian walk. And then all of a sudden you go, I'm not going to be mean to him. And then you're like, rah, rah, rah. well, why? Because you spent all that time pondering. And so Jesus said this to different people when they would be in the crowd and they would be examining what he was saying. Uh, he would say, why do you think like this in your heart? Because at a core level, they were thinking a certain way. So when he talks about guarding your heart above all else, he's talking about you know being careful not to be contaminated with wrong attitudes uh, wrong thoughts, wrong priorities. And so we're going to jump into one and some amazing things that Jesus said. How many of you know he said some pretty amazing things? And then he said some pretty amazing things. Matthew, the 13th chapter, Matthew 13. He said some things that today... In our society, you know, a lot of people are like, I wish Jesus were just here on the earth today. Man, in our society, 
there'd be some people that would be ticked off at him. I mean, people say, well, Jesus was here. Everybody would be following him. No, they tried to throw him off of a cliff back then. They tried to stone him back then. They eventually crucified him back then. Who knows what they would do today? You know, some people think, well, if he was just here, it would be different. No, same miracles. They, they would come watch him do a miracle and then try to trap him. Why? Because they're hearts. They're hearts. And so Jesus would say things not to harm people, but to help people come in order with God and with God's way. And he wasn't trying to just, you know, reshuffle the cards for the sake of messing up the game. He was trying to get people to function properly in a Godward order that the world has changed all the furniture. You know what I mean by that? You know, turn off the lights, sneak into somebody's house, change all their furniture in the living room, and then they wake up in the middle of the dark and, ow, ow. What's going on? Well, the world has done that. Man fell, and then man has decided we're going to do things our way, and it's going to be okay when God's like, that's out of order. It would be better to humble ourselves and go, hey, God's way is the best. And so Jesus said some pretty amazing things. We're going to look at some of them here real quick. Matthew 13, 44. And so, you know, tighten your belt. I don't know, put a bib on. I don't know what. You know, when you go to get your hair cut, they put an apron on you because stuff's going to be, you know, flying. I don't know what, you know, put a shield on, but open your heart. Hear these words. Again, verse 44, Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He didn't say this is the kingdom, but he said there's something you can see that this will show us what it's like. The, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. Well, that sounds weird, you know, but he's getting a point across. In other words, a man finds a treasure and then he uh, hides the very treasure he found. Now, we're not talking about a $20 bill in a field that somebody who's walking down the street and goes, oh, I found something in value and let me hide it under the rock. No, because you just pick that up and put it in your pocket. He's talking about, you know, like money, value. Like we would find a field, uh, if, it, if we found a field, maybe there was some vacant lots for sale and all of a sudden you walked up and went, this must where the Beverly Hillbillies lived, Jethro Bodine. There's oil coming out of the ground. And you kick a rock over it, and I'm going to go buy this. Why are you going to buy it? Man, the inherent value right there, I'm going to be rich. What is there is worthy of all my sacrifice. And so he said here, a man found a treasure in this field, and then he hid the treasure who knows what he found? Maybe he found a vein of, 
of, you know, or some a vein of gold in the side of some rocks and went, oh man, and just propped the dirt back up there or some diamonds, I don't know, you know, like a diamond area where there's mines or where they find it and he's like, man, just covered that back up. And well, what did he do? Just cover it up and go home? No. When he found this this thing of extreme value, he said he hid it and he did it for great joy. For great joy. Some people don't know, but you know, recently we've had some bigger lottery things, you know, worth like over a billion dollars. Now, if you were just cruising through the parking lot and you picked up an old ticket and went, well, those are the matching numbers, you're not going to be like, man, I'm really depressed right now. <laughs> or you wouldn't go, boy, I'm just full of joy. You would be burying your joy as much as you could because you'd be thinking, okay, I've got a billion dollars in my hand right now. Act cool, act cool, act cool. You're not going to go, I think I'll go into the store and get that milk after all. No, you're going to go and you're going to put that in a safe place. And it is going to promote excitement in your life. It is. And some of you are like, well, I'd be okay. No, you wouldn't. You'd be like, ugh. And here's the truth. For some people, it would expose our heart. I'll tell you what, I can't wait to call my boss on Monday. I'm going to tell him off. Well, that means you're hiding something in your heart that shouldn't be there. You need to get that out. And then say, I'm done. But notice this. He found this field. There was treasure. He hid it. And for, for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, I mean, no sacrifice was too great for what he just found. No sacrifice. No. And see, here's the thing. If people, other people probably saw the offer, you know, on that field, but didn't see the treasure in the field. How many people have heard about Christ, but didn't see the actual treasure? in him. So they weren't willing to go, oh my, I'm going to hide this and I'm going to go and sell everything I've got. There is no sacrifice too great for this tremendous treasure. See, we're talking about matters of the heart, and this was, it is, when he explains these things, he's explaining the kingdom. He's talking about how people should respond to heaven's things. You with me? And, and think of this. There was no sacrifice this person wasn't willing to give up for this great treasure he found. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys the field. He invests in this treasure but remember, we're not talking about a field with gold in it. We're not talking about a field with diamonds in it. He said, this is how the kingdom is. When people see the real value and really know what's there, they're willing to sell all. They're willing to sacrifice all. 
the sacrifice diminishes when people uh, lose perspective on the value of the kingdom. Okay, let me say that again in slow motion. Sacrifice diminishes when we lose perspective on the value of heaven, heaven's things, and the Lord. Maybe I need to say that again. Sacrifice for the Lord and his things diminish when our perspective of the value in the kingdom and his things diminishes. He goes on again, just in case we didn't get it with one picture. He said again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl. So he's a sailing man, you know, or a sailing ship. And he's looking for treasure and, and he is seeking for beautiful pearls. And it says, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, this, you know, this one massive pearl. You know, maybe in our day and age we would think we, we found a diamond, but we didn't find a diamond. We found bigger than the Hope Diamond. We, we found bigger than the biggest diamond that there ever is because when he's talking about this treasure that somebody's willing to sacrifice all for, he's talking about something of immense value. And he said, who, when he had found it in verse 46, this one pearl of great, great price went and he sold all that he had, and he bought it. He, he sold all that he had. He didn't have to sell half of what he had for this. He didn't have to sell a quarter. In other words, really the price to the kingdom, he's saying, is all in. There's The value of the kingdom is worth everything. Are you with me? Not a quarter of the sacrifice, a partial sacrifice. He's saying from a heart level, we need to value the kingdom so much that there we, there's nothing being held back. And he goes on to say, and again. In verse 47, he said, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. And he talks about scooping up fish and so on. But you think about these things that we're looking at, and really the sacrifice that we talk about making to the Lord is actually based first on the other value. In other words, I'm not just up here, or the Lord's not just compelling me to say, sacrifice for the Lord. Actually, our sacrifice to the Lord, and for the Lord, and for the kingdom, is a response to the great value. Are you with me? Because sometimes, if, you're, if we're not careful, it becomes religious, and we think, Oh yeah, just sacrifice, just sacrifice. We just need to sacrifice. And then the wind goes out of people's sail. And I've been trying to sacrifice. 
No, this sacrifice he talked about is a response sacrifice. It was a response. Not just, you better obey, you better do this. It's like, oh my, this is God. This is his kingdom. This is huge. Like I said, if our perspective changes for who God is and how big his things are, our perspective of sacrifice changes. In other words, it's really looking at the value of it. Think, ah, maybe, maybe not. How many of you realize this, that this field or this pearl holds the value regardless if somebody pays for it or not? The kingdom and the king and the Lord holds his value. We said this way back, uh, way back four weeks ago. But his blood is precious because, why? Because things are precious when they hold a higher value. And his blood is so precious and so valuable because there's nothing else that can wash away the sins of the world. So then, in other words, there's no good deeds. People can invest in good deeds, but there's no good deeds that will wash them clean. Are you with me? So, so what makes the blood precious? A lot of people don't count it precious. You, you can tell because they'll say, I'm better than her. I'm better than him. I've done more than them. I'm pretty faithful. They're, they're, they don't know the value. They're thinking their own works are valuable. It's a similar thing here when people don't really recognize the value of the kingdom. And so we need to realize that. And this is important to know that our sacrifice is based on the value, whether we see the value or not. By a choice, we can go, man, the kingdom is super valuable. I, I need to pay whatever price. Or I can experience things of the kingdom. I mean, who knows? Maybe people, when we were singing, you know, some of those songs, you started sensing God. And maybe you were like, wow, man, I'm pretty excited about the Lord right now. He's doing something in this place. This is awesome. Well, what happens is our perspective of his value starts to change. That doesn't mean we've come to the full value of him. It's just giving some clarity. There is no way to measure how much he's worth. You with me? So... Turn with me to Matthew, the 10th chapter. So remember, this payment that people are to be willing to make, you know, the cost of sacrifice to serve him, is based on a response. Always remember that. If our perception of that changes, all kinds of things get wacky in our life. Because now it's not about how big God is. It's not 
how vital it is to tell other people about the king and the kingdom because when people realize it's the only highway to heaven and to walk with God and to live with him for eternity, people get all goofy kinds of ideas and think, oh, you know, just good works or do better and these different things, and, and people lose perspective. We, we can't lose perspective. When we're talking about what are we willing to sacrifice, we're talking about we've seen the king. We know the king. This is more than a religious creed. We've had some kind of uh, dealing with God, and we recognize the reality. He's challenging me. I'm paying. I'm paying. I'm paying. You with me? So these are important to have these things settled in our heart because if all our decisions and everything we do are based out of the heart, then really, from a heart level, we really need to see his inherent value, who he really is, because then our response is, I'm doing anything for him. I'm doing anything for him. Now notice this. Now remember, I said we're going to look at some challenging things. So this is where you put your strap on. You've maybe been riding or sitting here with your helmet on, got the strap off. You think you're cool. All right, strap it on because you're going to hear some stuff now. Ready? Somebody's like, I can handle it. All right. Matthew 10. These are amazing statements. Matthew 10, 37. But they are awesome because we're talking about God. We're talking about his kingdom. We're talking about uh, settling things in our hearts so that we might be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to follow him, live for him, serve him. Notice this. Matthew 10, 37. It says this. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoa. Notice what he didn't say. He who loves father and mother is not worthy of me. He didn't say hate your father and mother. Notice he said, more than me is not worthy of me. So he's like, I need to tighten that helmet down. Because it ain't, he didn't stop here. He said, if you love others more than me, your mom and dad or your family, he said, you're not worthy of me. Somebody said, good, I hate my, hate my mom and dad. That, that's not what he meant. That's not what he meant. He said, and he who loves his son or daughter more than me, they're not worthy of me. Whoa. Notice he didn't say you can't love them. He said, if you love them more than me, he uses the word uh, more than me is not worthy of me. 
Let's keep reading. It gets better. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me, he's not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. In other words, if you make your own life your pursuit, it'll just crumble through your hands. But he said, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now let's look at those verses because if you just leave them there, you might come to some interesting conclusions. Like I said, he didn't say don't love others. And, and, and here's something that's real important. When it says, you're not worthy of me. Now understand this. These scriptures are not how worthy or worth you are to God. It has nothing to do with that. It doesn't have to do with your worth to God. Because we already know our worth to God. He was willing to sacrifice his son, so that was that showing your worth. The, the Savior of the world, him coming and dying for every individual upon the face of the earth, shows that God so loved the world. He gave his son and he never took him back, so there's a free gift for the whole world out there at their disposal, whether they accept him or not, God has not taken him back. That shows the worth. When you use the word worthy, it has to do with the word worth. Let me ask you this. If you're selling a property, and you know that there is a treasure on that property, are you going to sell it for a measly amount? No, you're going to go, it's worth this big amount. Because worthy, in other words, they, they would say to you, what do you mean that price for this property? It's worth more. That's an unworthy offer. So when the Lord said, you're not worthy of me, he's not saying you don't have worth. He do, he's not saying you don't have great value to God. Because that would go against all Scripture. Because he cared so much about man when man got himself into a situation that he could not get himself out of. He had a plan. I'm going to send my son and I'm going to make a payment. So it shows human worth. That is not what Jesus is trying to convey here. Our worth to God, there's, I mean, what payment is higher than God coming in the flesh and dying for humanity? Six planets and a couple of suns or stars, a solar system. I mean, what's worth a human life? And, and you could say it like this, God sacrificing himself there's no greater price. No greater price for a human being. So this has got nothing to do with your worth. 
Your worth is established before God. He sees you as super valuable beyond what you could ever imagine. There aren't all the riches in the world could not ransom a human being from hell. Or it would have been done. So when we read these verses, you don't want people to get hung up where it goes, you're not worthy of me. You're not worthy of me. You're not worthy of me. People say, because some people will even say, man, I'm not worthy of him. No, we want to realize this is a heart issue he's talking about. And really, when he uses the word worthy, the Greek literally means weighty, value, and to honor. And he said, if, if I'm not the highest thing, that's not a good enough offer. If your kids are higher to you than me, it's not, a, it's not a worthy offer. If your career, if, if your friends, if your hobbies are higher than me, it's not a worthy offer. So when he says, if you love them more, all he's doing is teaching again things he has taught before, but in a different light so people could get it. Like things like, like seek first the kingdom of God. Well, that meant put the highest value on the things of the king and the kingdom. That's what he said, if you seek me first and put the highest value on the kingdom, he said, then all the other things will be added to you. It's interesting, in the Bible it said, he who will honor me, which means to make weighty, to put the greatest value more than friends, brothers, sisters, careers, anything, hobbies, he said, I'll honor him. I'll value him. Things will be added to him. God's not trying to take things away, but there is just something about honoring and valuing God at his place that there is no substitute for. You can't substitute it for prayer. Well, I'll just pray extra. No, that's not it. What makes our offer to him worth or worthy or right is when we go, man, he is above all. He's greater than all. He deserves all. He deserves my effort greater than my effort for everything else. And it's from a heart level. In other words, it gives me, when I have this heart level, it gives me a way to filter life. My decisions then are based on is this acceptable to him? Is this in line with the priority of him? Is this, is this, you know, the right thing to do? Or is it the wrong thing in the light of him? And so let's read those again. You ready? So if he's talking about weighty, let me just make this statement. An improper sacrifice on an individual to the Lord 
brings personal frustration. Why? Because you can't get certain things uh, without a certain sacrifice. Didn't he say, seek first or above all else, then these things will be added? But if I don't value him and honor him and put him first, then what happens is it's not that God withholds, it's just how the human heart works. Didn't he say that? If you allow cares and worries in, it will choke the word, then you won't get the fruit of it. It, it, He didn't say God hates you. It's just there's something about the heart that, that we have to esteem him highest and out of that, act like that. Like he's worth it. Are you with me? So let's read them again. Because if we want to get rid of the frustrations of life, the people in the Bible who were the most joyous, the most, not that they didn't face things, were the people who did it his way the most. Who saw the greatest value in him and went for it all the way. Those were the people like the Apostle Paul in the Bible who said, I finished my course with joy. That dude had been thrown in prison. He had been beaten. He had been persecuted. And he said, I finished my course with joy. And you know why he did? He said, because I didn't love my own life. Think of this verse. You could plug that word right in there. He who loves father and mother or his own life more than me. Is not worthy of the return. What's he saying when he says worthy? He's just saying that type of sacrifice isn't worth. It's not a worth sacrifice. How often in the Bible were certain sacrifices acceptable and not acceptable? And if sacrifices were kind of shoddy, they weren't acceptable. Matter of fact, in one book, They had been given junky sacrifices, you know. They were given old leftover stuff. Finally, the Lord spoke to them in the book of Malachi and said, why do you offer that to me? Go take that and give it to your governor. See what he'll say about it. You know, like one man said, some people had some old dishes they had got they were buying some new dishes cuz their old dishes were kind of cracked and chipped and everything and they were about to throw them away and they said oh why should we throw them away let's go give them to the pastor maybe he could use them well what do you think of kingdom people and kingdom business if you're going to give them something you were going to throw away He said, take that and go ahead and give it to the governor. In other words, give it to the president. Now, some people may not like the president. They'll go, okay, cool, I'll give it to him. I'll give him two sets like this. No, but we're talking about somebody that would uh, have something really nice, and they give him something halfway. And And he's basically saying, the best belongs to God. The best. Because if the best belongs to God, we're giving it because we see him as the best. Not not just giving him the best, 
not just doing the best, but we respond because he is the best. Big difference. Big difference. Because if I don't see him as the biggest and best, eventually my sacrifice probably won't come to that place. Did I lose you? Okay. He said, verse 37, He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, he hasn't put the right worth into me. He hasn't put the right worth into me. His worth is greater for other things than me. If he's the creator and we are his creation, now that, now notice he said more. This means we're not neglecting our father, our mother, our brother, our sister, or our children. It's not a neglect thing. It's an order thing. Notice this. And he who loves son or daughter or himself more than me is not worthy. And the word literally in the Greek means weighty or honored correctly. They don't, they don't see my worth like they should. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me now you understand this context is in seeing the value in him and going, now I'm going to make the sacrifice. Boy, we sure don't want to lose the image of who God really is in reality because our sacrifices will change. It's a good thing to do what the Bible said, call to remembrance the former days after you were illuminated. In Hebrews 10, it says, Then you endured a great fight of affliction. In other words, you had such an experience and an illumination with him, you were willing to pay any price because you saw who he was. That's why it's important for us when we read these verses not just to hear sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. See his inherent value then sacrifice is it's next in line. And so he said here, and we'll get ready to close here, but think of this. Verse 39, And he who finds his life will lose it. In other words, that's his pursuit. But he who loses his life, in other words, he doesn't value it above me, then he's actually going to experience life. Isn't that the goal? To have the parameters of our life, the issues of our life, to be so under the influence of God that great things are happening? And so when he talks about this, it's real interesting. Remember, he's not talking about your worth or your value. That's established. He's now saying, what value to put on me? What, what value am I? Now here's the thing. There is an inherent value in him, but our value from one to another can change. 
Who else looked at that treasure and thought, what's this? Shiny rocks. They didn't know. But thank God, God, one thing that is a true statement through the Bible is people often said, God, I want to know you. There's a lot of people who sing songs, God, I want to know you more. Because when we know him, experience him, and when I say experience, I don't just mean have goosebumps, but there's a reality to him. Our sacrifice goes, whoa, or the potential. Now, I understand you could just start sacrificing because you have knowledge and your heart will open up to him and you will see him in a different way. Because the Bible said, he who would seek him will find him. When you find him, whoa, you're going to go, man, I'm willing. And this needs to be a motive of our heart. 